This morning I want to talk to you about a word that, after being a pastor for 24 or 5 years, whatever it is, I truly believe is one of the most critical things that as saints we need to hear. Now there's quite a tenderness I felt to the worship this morning, so I'm going to try and minister this as tenderly as possible, but at the same time trust that the Holy Spirit will come and do in our hearts what He needs to do. I felt after the Easter weekend where I was looking at God's justice, what we saw on Good Friday was the justice of God fulfilled at the cross. The glory of God displayed when justice and mercy meet in Jesus as He was nailed to the cross. What we saw on Easter Sunday is the justice of our God fulfilled. The enemy had no hold over Jesus because of his righteousness. And so God, with righteous justice, could reach down and raise him from the dead because death could not keep its hold on Jesus. The justice of God enforced. What I want to speak about today now takes that but puts the mirror against our lives. I want to ask you today if you truly trust in the justice of our God. Do you truly believe that our God is just? Because today I want to talk about not His justice fulfilled or not His justice enforced. I want to talk about His justice reflected in our lives. And the way, church, that we truly reflect the fact that we have faith in the God of justice, we reflect His justice by learning to forgive. Many Christians don't actually understand what it means to truly forgive someone from the heart. But before I get to that, I want to remind you the foundation of God's justice is His Word. He is faithful to His Word. God said to Adam, you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. So when Adam ate the fruit, God fulfilled his own word, justice. They were driven from the Garden of Eden. Wages of sin is death. Paul picked up that same sentiment. And in Romans 3, 25 and 26, it said, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement, the most costly sacrifice in the world. He presented Jesus as a sacrifice of atonement. This was his justice. He was fulfilling his own word by paying for it himself. Through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He, God, did this to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, which is his patient kindness waiting for us, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished, He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Do you trust the justice of God? Many people trust it, or or as Christians, we can sometimes trust God's justice in our lives. I understand what Jesus has done for me. He's paid the price for me, and he's, He's forgiven me, and now I can receive His mercy. I trust His justice in my life. Thank you, Lord. I'm free. But now here's my question. Do you trust His justice in the lives of your enemies? Those people who've hurt you, abused you, abandoned you, neglected you, taken advantage of you, can you trust the God of justice, who you trust in your own life to forgive your sin and reconcile you, can you trust his justice in their lives? That's sometimes an even greater challenge. I think, uh, not think, I truly believe that every one of us as followers of Christ are going to walk through 
the test of forgiveness in our lives at different points. I don't think any of us will ever be exempt from facing situations where we tested. Are you able to forgive? I find myself, to be honest, not to be honest, I always try and be honest, but I'm quite a gracious person normally, and I've never struggled to forgive people. Someone hurts me, smashes my car, happened, whatever happens. Like, if they come to you and like, I'm really sorry, I've never struggled to say, you know what, that's okay, that's okay. But what if they don't say sorry? What if someone, and what if they, it's just that they don't even just not say sorry, but what if they keep on doing what's been hurting you? Can you still forgive them? I guarantee every one of us are going to face the challenge in our lives at some stage. Can I learn to truly forgive from the heart? So now, let's first ask ourselves what forgiveness really is. Forgiveness is not the other person now gets away scot-free. Sometimes we, we struggle to forgive because, well, if I forgive you, it means you got away with it. No, that's not what forgiveness thinks. And if you think that, you're definitely going to struggle to forgive. Forgiveness is not pretending that nothing happened. Now that you've forgiven, it's just like, oh, slate's clean. No, no. Things have happened. Forgiveness is not suddenly needing to trust the person and be their best friend straight away. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness, please listen to this. Truly believe it with all my heart. Forgiveness is when we are able to release someone from our sense of justice into the justice of God. That's forgiveness. Unforgiveness is when no way, I, I, I want justice. I'm holding on. I have the right to be bitter. I have the right to be angry. I have the right to hold this against you. And I'm holding on to my sense of justice. Forgiveness is when we say, Lord, I trust your justice more than my justice. And so I'm releasing this person. Doesn't mean to say they've got away scot-free. Doesn't mean to say they won't face consequences. It's just, Lord, I'm entrusting them to your consequences. I'm entrusting them to your vengeance. I'm trusting them to your justice. Now, why is it so important? This issue of forgiveness. Have you ever heard that little saying about uh, not forgiving someone is like you drinking the poison and waiting for them to die? It's exactly what it's like. Two things. Well, actually, let me give you three reasons why I believe learning to forgive someone from the heart is absolutely critical. Number one is because not forgiving someone else stops God from forgiving you. Got to let that sink in deep. As soon as you've stopped forgiving someone else, God has stopped forgiving you. Jesus was very clear about this in Matthew 6, verses 12 to 15. Remember the Lord's Prayer? We know it so well. Lord, forgive us our sins or our debts. As we've forgiven our debtors, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if... If you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, please say but. If you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now we know it so well, we've heard it so often, but sometimes they're like, oh, surely God's so loving and so gracious. This is the word of Jesus. 
And Jesus, knowing our hearts and understanding the grace of God, saying, actually, remember, we save by, by grace through faith, through faith. What does faith in God's justice to forgive me look like? It looks like you forgiving those who sin against you. Let it settle on our hearts, church. Sometimes we can just, but God understands. If, if after what was done to me, no wonder I, f- no, 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 God tells us directly. Choosing not to release someone of their sin against you blocks off God's grace flowing into our lives. When sins are not forgiven, death is once again allowed to rule inside of us. Because remember, we are set free from the reign of death under Christ so that life reigns. When we choose to stop forgiving people, we cut off the life of God and death begins to reign once again. What we've discovered is so many times when we pray for people who are sick and we do a little bit of digging, guess what the number one root is that we come across when as people are trusting God for healing? Unforgiveness, bitterness, offense. You see, it makes sense, doesn't it? Because when death is allowed to rule, what are the agents of death? The agents of death are sickness, disease, demonic powers, and principalities. As soon as we've cut off God's forgiveness in our hearts, we've given permission and access to the enemy once again to come and work into our lives. And he will with sickness, death, disease, demonic powers, and principalities. Number two, why is it so critical? Because not forgiving others is going to torture your soul. And I've chosen that word carefully because Jesus used it. He told a parable in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. Peter came to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but... 77 times. In other words, you keep on forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. When you say that out loud, 10,000 bags of gold. How much do you think that is worth? Too much. Man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay the master order that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt, at this the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. Say 100 silver coins. 10,000 bags of gold, 100 silver coins. I want you to, you know where this parable is going, most of you anyway. I'm not here today to in any way downplay what's happened to you in the past. This message I've had to share with ladies who've been sexually abused as kids. Now, that sounds a whole lot more than 100 silver coins, To speak to a lady who's been raped, you have to share the same message. I'm in no way trying trying to downplay whatever atrocity or sin or hardship or abuse that has happened to you. Rather, the point of this parable is not to downplay your pain, but to upscale the majesty of God's holiness. Because still, compared 
to whatever has been done to us, to sin against the righteous holiness of our awesome God is still way more than whatever was done to us here on earth. Does that make sense? So please hear my heart. If you're saying, but, oh, pastor, if you knew what had happened to me, you'd understand. No, no, no. This is the Word of God. This is Jesus saying still, no matter how bad, and I'm not downplaying that, what we have done to God is much worse than what others have done to us. He grabbed him, this is the servant, and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown in prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours, 10,000 bags of gold, because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay, should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Say yikes. <laughs> yikes. <laughs> this is the word of God. This is the word of God. You, you begin to realize why this is such a crucial word. He didn't just lose his freedom. He was tortured. And to live with a heart of bitterness is to torture your own soul. But now it's not just that God won't forgive our sins. It's not just that we put our soul in a place of torment. But number three, why it is so critical that we forgive is because not forgiving others wrecks the lives of those loved ones around you as well. You think it's just me. I'm going to hold on to my bitterness and my anger. And yes, it's going to torture your heart, but guess what? It is going to impact the lives of the people around you as well. It is going to destroy your marriage, your parent-child relationships, you as a boss at work, your friendship circle. All of those relationships will begin to suffer because you're holding on. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15, it says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. You defile the very relationships that should be the most precious because you've never released. You don't trust God's justice enough to release people into his justice. Why do I believe that we can? Because I want to in no way pretend that forgiving people is easy. Once again, you might be saying, whoa, Pastor, if you understood what they'd done, how do you expect me? No, no, I'm telling you that forgiveness is incredibly expensive. But remind yourself of how expensive it was for your heavenly Father to forgive you. It wasn't free. No, no, you've forgiven for free because the Father paid for your forgiveness with the death of His Son. That's how much it cost the Father to forgive you and me. So is it forgiving someone expensive? Absolutely. But you can do it. Here's why. All the way back in Genesis, chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, the father of our faith, Abraham, who began this Jewish line, the people of God, mirrored what Jesus was going to come and do later on. 
And it says, the Lord said to Abram in verse one, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land that I'll show you, which is exactly what Jesus did. And he has this amazing promise that the father releases, this prophetic blessing, the gospel in advance. It says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. What does that mean? The best advice that I could give you in life is to treat me exceptionally well. <laughs> you see, the Bible says, it says, whoever blesses you, I'll bless, says God. So, so if you bless me, guess what? God's going to bless you. How should I treat you? Well, I should treat you exceptionally well. Because every time I treat you in a blessing way, God blesses me. That's how we should be treating one another. And we're going to look at that over the next couple of weeks. A peck of salt. We're a covenant people, which means the wisest thing I could ever do is be a blessing to the people of God, because then God blesses me. The craziest thing you could ever do is be horrible to me. <laughs> the craziest thing I should ever do is be horrible to one of you. Because God says, whoever curses you, I will curse. You see, that's what covenant means. If you're married, you know what it's like. Mess with my wife, you mess with me. And God says, as my covenant people, if someone's hurt you, I will take care of it. Remember, we're talking about trusting the justice of God enough to reflect it by releasing someone. Someone's hurt me, and it's like, yo, that's painful. What do I do? The Father's saying, trust me. I've promised, I've covenanted with you. If anyone curses you, I'll curse them. You don't have to do it. It'll wreck your soul. This is too much. You don't want to carry that in your heart of flesh. Let me carry it for you. If they bless you, I'll bless them. If they curse you, I will curse them, says the Lord. Does that make sense? So I'm asking you today, do you trust the justice of God to be able to release people into it? It's an amazing thing. I think Paul had this incredible revelation moment when, I mean, Paul the Apostle, before he was Paul the Apostle, he was Saul the rabbi who was passionate about his self-righteousness and he was angry with these followers of Jesus. Who do they think they are claiming righteousness? And he persecuted the church and he was throwing people in prison and giving thumbs up to the death of the saints. And then on his way to Damascus, this light from heaven shone, he fell to his knees and this voice says to him, in Acts chapter 9, verses 4 and 5, he fell to the ground. He heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? That word. If that revelation drops in your heart right now, you'll become a very gracious and forgiving person. Because Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? Jesus says, you touch any of my bride, you're touching me. When someone cuts you off in traffic, you can, you can actually, Lord, I, I don't have to get involved. Someone does a shady business deal, and, and, and the Lord is saying, you touch my bride, you're touching me. The Lord says, I will bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. You see, when we have a revelation of the covenant relationship we're in with Jesus, we don't have to carry this bitterness or unforgiveness, the sense of justice, because he is more just than us, we release it to him. We trust you, Lord. We can release people to God's justice because Jesus is personally involved. So how do we respond before I run out of time? Before, 
I give you just two practical things, or is it three? Oh, no, no, it's only two. But I want to give you this first. Remember, God is merciful. If His justice was executed at the, the moment of your sinful offense, you would have been hit by lightning. And z- but God is merciful. Before He executes judgment, He's looking for an opportunity to show mercy. Now, the problem is sometimes we don't want our enemies to get mercy. We want them to get judged. (laughs) So to trust God enough to release people in forgiveness, remember that God was merciful to you. God's desire is mercy more than justice. So that doesn't mean to say they'll get away with it. What it means is that God would rather have Jesus... And what he did on the cross, pay for that person's offense, then them have to pay for it. And so that means he will bring conviction. He will bring that person hopefully to a place of salvation where they would bow the knee and confess and then maybe even come and say sorry to you. And at that point, God's mercy can wash over that offense because justice was met at the cross. So in your heart, before you want them to be struck by lightning, remember that God didn't strike you with lightning. Number one, he's merciful. But number two, God's timing is different to yours. Lord, I want justice, and I want it now. (laughs) I'll forgive him, Lord, if you'll zap him. No, no. Now, before God zaps him, God is going to be patient with them. Because the Bible says that God's not slow. He's patient, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So to trust God enough to forgive means, one, I'm trusting God is merciful, And if he can be, he'd rather be merciful than judgmental. Number two, God is patient, which means I'm forgiving them, and it might not look like God's justice is happening straight away, but God is patient. But number three, remember, God is just. He is just. And that means people don't get away with something. He's going to be patient, seeing if he can extend mercy But if they continue to refuse his mercy, continue to refuse his mercy, they will be judged, and they will be judged severely. Do you trust in the justice of God? So how do we respond then, very quickly? Well, first and most important, repent of unforgiveness and bitterness. And right now, maybe you're listening to me, maybe you're watching online, The Holy Spirit might already be pushing his finger, the scalpel of his word, into your heart. He's not trying to condemn you. He's trying to say, I want to do surgery on your heart. In Romans 12, 17 to 21, Paul said, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Some people that you forgive, you're not going to live at peace with. I'm a parent. If someone abused my kids, I would have to forgive that person, but I would not want them within 100 kilometers of my kids again. I can forgive them by releasing them to the justice of God, but I'm not going to live in peace with them because I don't want them near my home. Does that make sense? I've released them, Lord, into your hands, but that doesn't mean to say they become a family friend and we bride together. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not Take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. That little phrase became such a revelation for a moment for me years ago. I've always, it's, it lives inside of me. Leave room for God's wrath. In other words, it's as if someone has done something to you 
And there's only so much room for wrath and justice. But the question is, who's wrath and justice? You see, either it's going to be yours. I'm holding on to this bitterness. I'm angry with them. And that's the punishment they will get then. They might not even know you're angry with them. They might not care that you're angry with them. But the only punishment they're getting is you mad at them. And every time you see them, you're like, "Mm," and you just walk on the other side of the street and you give them a cold shoulder. Well, that's all the punishment they get. Unless you leave room for God's wrath. You see, we have to choose. Whose justice do you want for that person? Your justice or theirs? Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. What's written, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Yikes. Now, I'm going to try and land as quick as I can, but this is critical. Most times what I've discovered as a pastor, there's an issue, and then there's the way you deal with the issue. Now, sometimes the issue's bad. Someone has stolen from you. They've hurt you. You've been abused, and it's a big issue. But now, how do you deal with the issue? And Jesus says right here, I mean, it's quoted from the Word of God. Do not take revenge. Leave room for God's wrath because God says it is mine to avenge. I will repay. So now what happens if you like, no, it's mine to avenge. I will repay. Guess what you've just done? You've just stolen from God what belongs to God. Now, do you see how that's a new issue now? There was the issue, and then there's the way you deal with the issue. And guess what? Sometimes the way you deal with the issue becomes bigger than the original issue. So in your mind, it's like it's their fault. They hurt me. They stole from me. But now the bigger issue is actually you've just stolen from God. Does that make sense? On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed them without spitting in the meal. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. When you have faith in the justice of God, we move, we repent from repaying to releasing, from taking revenge to leaving room. We move from wanting to harm to willing to help. How do we work this out? Secondly, we don't just repent Be careful of the religious trap. What's the religious trap? In Luke 7, verse 47, Jesus said, I tell you, her many sins, he was speaking to a a prostitute who was now washing his feet with her tears in repentance, and he said, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. What's the religious trap? The religious trap is when the 10,000 bags of gold and the 100 silver coins get swapped around. Because I'm religious and I live such a good Christian life and I'm much better than most people because I go to church often and I never do horrible things like I see on TV. Actually, you're right, God, I am a sinner, probably about a 100 silver coin type sinner. But what people have done to me, it's like 10,000 bags of gold. You see what's happened? And that's what happened with the Pharisees. Yes, we sinners, hundred silver coins. And all of these tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners, they like the 10,000 bags of gold people. It's such a burden to forgive them. No, no, that's the religious trap. When we see ourselves through our own self-righteousness, and so instead of becoming a people of mercy, we become a people of harsh, critical judgment 
of others. And lastly then, we forgive as an event, and then we walk out forgiveness as our lifestyle. I truly believe that forgiveness is an event, and for some of you I'm trusting the event will be happening now. Lord, I'm choosing to release this person into your justice. But now you're going to see them tomorrow at pick and pay. Mark chapter, I mean Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 to 48. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? If you greet only those or your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. That means as an event, we release people into the justice of God. We pray that prayer, Lord, from my heart, I am releasing this person to you. But then, start treating your enemies with kindness. If you only love those who love you, what reward is that? That means you show them dignity and kindness and you stop being cold-shouldered, bitter towards them. Do I hear an amen? amen? Kindly, respectfully, and cheerfully. Number two, you pray for them. When they come to mind and, and you, you remember their name and there's, there used to be this, uh, no, no, now you pray, Lord. Pray, Lord, your kingdom come, let your will be done. And his will might be mercy and justice if they repent, but it will be justice if they don't. Lord, your kingdom come, let your will be done. Pray for them. And then thirdly, isn't it amazing how practical the Bible is? It says, greet them. That means if they're in aisle four, you don't go to aisle seven when you see them. And that's how you'll know if you're walking in forgiveness or not. Because Jesus just said, if you only greet those who greet you, what are you doing more than pagans? No, no. You go to Al 4 as well, and you walk past them, and you say, hey, how are you doing? Or, hello, morning, soulborn, whatever you need to say, say it. It's practical, isn't it? Because sometimes we can say, yes, I've forgiven, but then we turn and we walk the other side of the street. A revelation of the justice of God empowers us to release people from our sense of justice and hand them over to God's justice. And that's called forgiveness. God might be patient with them. God might forgive them. God might punish them. But his justice is perfect. And we are the living fruit of his perfect justice. So now, trust him to be just as just with others, with your enemies, as he's been with you. Forgiveness is not optional for a child of God. Your forgiveness depends on it. Can you say amen? amen? Why don't you stand with me, please? Heavenly Father, this is a weighty word. And yet, Lord God, this is a way that you've called us to reflect your glory here on earth. Your glory was demonstrated through Jesus on the cross where your justice and mercy met. And Father, we are receivers. We are the ones who've benefited from your incredible mercy. And Father, we want to say thank you for your mercy 
by reflecting that mercy to the people around us. Holy Spirit, we invite you to examine our hearts right now. Holy Spirit, I pray that if there is anyone in our lives that we have not released to your justice, anyone that we have not forgiven from the heart, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd put their name into our heart right now. And friends, if you've got a name or two or three or 15, then I'm going to pray a simple prayer. You don't have to pray it aloud, but pray it in your heart. And you might have to pray this a few times until you sense peace returning to your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, today we choose to respond to your word. Thank you for your incredible mercy in our lives. And Father, we want to reflect that mercy by putting our trust in your justice. And so, Father, I choose right now to forgive whoever you need to forgive. From my heart, they are forgiven. I release them into your justice. I trust you, Lord. I trust your mercy. I trust your patience. I trust your judgment. Thank you for setting me free. Give me grace to now walk in forgiveness. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray that you would truly extend grace to our hearts. For some, this might be a time of intense surgery upon hearts. Lord, help us not to be hearers of your word, but to be doers of the word. Father, for some who've been trapped in bitterness or unforgiveness for years, I pray, let the grace of God flow. Let healing come. Let joy return. Thank you, Jesus, for your amazing grace. Thank you, Lord. Church, just as I close off with a word of prayer, one, I'm trusting God once again for healing to come to bodies today. And so if you hear... And you've prayed about forgiving someone, and yet there's something sick in your body. This could be the key to your healing. So we're going to be praying for some folk right here. We'd love you to come up for prayer. Let's trust him for healing. Secondly, you might be here today still under the justice of God because his mercy has never entered your life through Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and have never made Christ your Lord and King, we would love to pray for you as well. We're going to be praying for folk right now. Father, thank you for your amazing love and goodness. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you that your gracious hand is upon us. Thank you that your mighty hand is being extended through us. In Jesus' name. And God's people saying.